reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. I'm glad you're with us. Low back pain affects between 70 to 80% of the adult population and is a major cause of disability worldwide. Patients with chronic low back pain often experience a reduced quality of life, sleep problems, anxiety, and depression. The muscles, joints, discs, and nerves can all contribute to the pain, but most often the source is mechanical, that is, musculoskeletal. The multifidus muscles are important stabilizers of the lumbar spine. Chronic low back pain that's mechanical can lead to degeneration of these muscles, but we now have a neurostimulator designed to activate the multifidus muscles and control pain. It's called Reactivate, and we'll learn all about it on today's show. John McFarland, our first guest, has suffered from low back pain since pole vaulting during high school, and that was over 50 years ago. Today, he can bike 100 miles a week at age 75 and return to an active life thanks to the Reactivate Neurostimulator. Our second guest is Dr. Chris Gilligan. He's an associate professor of anesthesia at Harvard Medical School and chief of the Division of Pain Medicine at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Dr. Gilligan will share his expertise with this innovative form of restorative neurostimulation for chronic low back pain. Aches and Gains is supported by Averitas Pharma, Daiichi Sankyo, Mainstay Medical, and Heron Therapeutics. John McFarland has suffered from chronic low back pain for over 50 years. Reactivate has restored a life that he thought was gone. Let's find out how. John, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. Talk to us about your back pain. I mean, how did it start? It started many years ago in uh, high school. I was pole vaulting and uh, the uh, pole vault pits had uh, sawdust in them. And around the perimeter of the pit would be bags filled with sawdust. Mm -hmm. Well, you're supposed to land in the pit and not on one of the perimeter bags, right. as I did. And it was like 14 foot. Wow. And as soon as I landed, I could feel something aching in my back. And it just persisted for years from there. Mm. John, where do you specifically feel the pain in your back? It was basically in the uh, lumbar lower spine on either side. Sometimes it would shift from the left side to the right, depending on what activity I was doing. The severity would change, but it was always at least an aching pain. And depending upon the activity, sometimes it would be pretty severe. How much of your pain was in your back compared to your legs? Probably 90% in the back. Mm -hmm. And what's the source of the back pain? They just generally classified it as arthritis. And that's a common form of low back pain. Frankly, it causes a lot of musculoskeletal or mechanical low back pain. And I believe you also had lumbar spine surgery uh, called a lumbar laminectomy. Correct. When? Oh, about uh, three years ago. John, if you examine your life over time, how has your life been impacted by the pain? 
I used to run, and I really enjoyed running. It was kind of a bummer <laughs> uh, when I couldn't run. So it kind of impacted my mood. It restricted what I could do. Mm-hmm. I've always been pretty active, so that impacted my psyche somewhat. Yes, I hear that a lot from my own patients who feel restricted and limited due to their pain. Let's delve into your emotional state. You mentioned that it affected your psyche. How so? It would just be angering almost (laughs) that I couldn't do certain things. Almost be depressing. Absolutely. I I guess there's a certain amount of anxiety there too. Absolutely. There's a lot of depression, anxiety, and anger associated with having chronic pain. John, I know that you were once an executive in the steel business and then retired transitioning to something else. When I was in my mid-50s, I retired from the steel industry and started a remodeling business. Uh I wanted to keep the business small, so I was more involved in some of the physical activity. On certain days, I just couldn't do much. Other days, it, it wasn't too bad, but I had to constantly be aware of, am I twisting too much? Mm-hmm. Can I bend more? How much weight could I pick up? Yeah. I really had to calculate almost uh, what I could do, so that was pretty restrictive. What prompted you to see a pain specialist? I had to quit running, and I wanted to bike then or to swim and some of that even though it was non-impact was pretty painful yeah i figure well i have to change something whatever i've done in the past hasn't worked so i asked some other people who they recommended and they told me about a certain pain specialist that i went to and in terms of medications that you had tried i think i'm aware that you tried aspirin and tylenol what about any of the sort of integrative therapies or any other therapies just ice or heat, but as far as medications, those are about the only two. How about physical therapy or massage? Yeah, I had tried that, and uh, that had helped out, but uh, it it still was painful, and it still restricted what I could do. Mm -hmm. And the massage was helpful, but it would seem to wear off pretty shortly after the session would end. Now, I know that you had some epidural steroid injections, and then you also had what we call a radiofrequency ablation of uh, the medial branch nerves in the lumbar spine. These are nerves that supply sensation to the facet joints in the low back. Now, these facet joints that I mentioned often lead to what we call mechanical low back pain or musculoskeletal low back pain. Now, John, you had these radiofrequency ablations, didn't you? Yeah, I've had that. But shortly after I got it, I would have a a good amount of relief. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it would only last a a month. Other times it would last for two or three months. Right. But it never seemed to really go beyond that. Well, now tell us, how did you find out about this restorative neurostimulation system called Reactivate? The uh, pain specialist I was going to for ablations and for uh, injections had mentioned there was a new uh, technology out that he thought I would be a good candidate for. Mm -hmm. He had said, we'll have to do an MRI of my uh, muscles in my back, the multifidus muscles. Right. And I had the MRI, and he had showed me on the uh, picture of the MRI that there were almost like strings, white strings running through the muscle. And he said, 
that those were fat deposits. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you continue to just go this route, the muscles will just go through atrophy and turn in the fat, and then you're going to have some pretty serious issues with your lower back. John, were you surprised to hear that uh, current, you know, tiny little doses, if you will, of current applied to these nerves, these are called medial branch nerves, could reduce your low back pain by activating the multifidus muscles in your low back? I was pretty skeptical, to tell you the truth, but it was kind of like I was running out of options, so I was grabbing at straws to a certain extent, although I had checked it out pretty thoroughly before I had the device installed, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people that were younger than me who had that done were runners, and they were able to get back into running after they had that installed. So I was thinking, well, you know, yeah, they're maybe half my age, but maybe I ought to try it anyway. And one of the reasons that you were interested in Reactivate was to increase your level of activity. So this makes sense. What were you told by the pain doctor this device could do in order to reduce your pain? They had told me that once your back is injured, uh, these muscles get injured, it's almost like they go to sleep and the brain just kind of forgets about Mm -hmm. them by applying a little bit of electricity to those nerve endings in the muscles, it kind of coordinates with the brain that, hey, we're okay now. And it makes the brain more aware that those muscles could be used. So, you know, it just sounded like, geez, that's pretty interesting. I love the way you described that. You mentioned earlier that you were skeptical about the device. Could you elaborate on that for us? I mean, this wasn't a Band-Aid procedure. This was going to be somewhat involved. (laughs) I had thought, well, if if I have this installed in my back, is it going to limit other things I can do? Yeah. If it doesn't work, will they take it out? (laughs) Right, right. But because I was kind of desperate, I really didn't consider too many negative aspects of it. Now, the placement of Reactivate is a surgical procedure that's done in the operating room, that is, the placement of the battery, as well as the two leads or wires. Were you awake for this procedure? Oh, no. 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 uh -uh. There's an anesthetic with it, and I think it took like 45 minutes to install it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't painful. It was sore and all, and I couldn't activate the system for up to two weeks after it was installed. And why wait two weeks before you can activate the simulator? The uh, leads for the wires, there's kind of like a barb on the end of it, similar to uh, a fissure, and it gets shoved into the uh, muscle and connects with the nerve. And they just want to make sure that there's some healing there because when you activate the system, the muscle contracts. Where do they place the battery? In in the back. And this battery is not rechargeable. I think they said it would last like anywhere from four to six years. It would be not a big procedure to change the battery out. That's right. It's not too big. What we do is just remove the battery and leave the leads intact. Now, John... When you activate the system, what do you feel? Just a slight tingling. Uh, it's almost relaxing and to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I activate it with another device just by holding it close to uh, the stimulator. Mm-hmm. I run it for uh, twice a day 
for 30 minutes each time. And it will activate and contract the muscles that last for like 15, 20 seconds, and then it will relax for about the same period of time. So it's roughly a minute cycle between activation and deactivation. Okay, excellent. Thank you for describing that. And John, we're out of time, but we'll talk to you again during the next show when we find out much more about the details related to pain relief and functional improvement from Reactivate. Okay. Well, it's great talking to you. Coming up is Dr. Chris Gilligan from Brigham and Women's Hospital, Harvard Medical School. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Adveritas Pharma, leading the U.S. in non-opioid pain management for certain pain conditions, while continuously seeking to deliver innovations for patients to improve patient outcomes. Visit us at A-V-E-R-I-T-A-S pharma.com, an educational grant from Daiichi Sankyo. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Dr. Chris Gilligan was pivotal in conducting the studies on the Reactivate restorative neurostimulation device that led to its FDA approval. Dr. Gilligan, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thanks for having me. It's really an exciting time for neurostimulation therapy. There are technological advances that are making the devices more sophisticated and able to target symptomatic areas of the body. Reactivate is a great example of that. Uh, This device focuses on alleviating mechanical low back pain. Before we get into that, can you give us a background on what mechanical low back pain is? Sure. The main distinction we make is between mechanical or nociceptive low back pain and neuropathic low back pain. Neuropathic low back pain is when there's an injury to a nerve. It's a, it, it's a distinct type of pain. And conventional spinal cord stimulators have uh, typically been used to treat that neuropathic pain. Right. Mechanical or nociceptive pain is pain just from an injured structure in the body, a, a disc uh, that's painful in the, in, the, in the low back or a facet joint that's painful in the low back, more of an aching Uh, type of a pain rather than a shooting, lancinating, burning nerve pain. Mm -hmm. And traditional spinal cord stimulators have not worked well for patients with mechanical or nociceptive low back pain, whereas Reactivate is is designed to treat those patients and, and fortunately has shown good results in that patient population. That's right, it has. Now, Reactivate is primarily used for patients who have low back pain. However, can patients have any pain symptoms down their legs? They can. The distinction we make is that they should be patients to be candidates for this therapy. One of the criteria is that they should have predominantly nociceptive or mechanical pain. Mm -hmm. So therefore, their back pain should be more severe than their leg pain. Right. And the other point is they shouldn't have a clear radicular leg pain. They shouldn't have a clear sciatica, say, wrapping around their leg, the front of their shin into their foot. A good deal of chronic low back pain is due to strain of the muscles and the ligaments of the low back. Another word for that is musculoligamentous strain. Muscles can atrophy and lead to conditions that cause pain, like disc space narrowing, facet joint arthritis, slippage of a vertebral body forward or backward. The medical term for that is spondylolisthesis. You know, this particular neurostimulation therapy targets the multifidus muscles in the low back. Talk to us about those muscles and how they contribute to chronic low back pain. The multifidus muscle is the strongest stabilizing muscle in the lumbar spine. And it's a muscle that we typically don't contract voluntarily. It contracts automatically in response to changes in position, uh, for example, to stabilize our spine before we go to lift our arm 
for example. And the role of the multifidus in chronic low back pain is that when a patient has a painful injury, a disc injury that's painful or a facet joint injury that's painful, there will be a reflex inhibition of that patient's multifidus muscle in many cases. So the patient will have a, then consequent to that, a loss of neuromuscular control, a loss of functional spine stability. And we believe that that's why some patients with a painful disc or a pain, painful facet joint will enter into a vicious cycle of intractable, chronic low back pain that goes on for years and years and doesn't resolve. And the theory with this therapy is that we need to help that patient overcome the inhibition of their multifidus muscle. And we use the, the stimulator, Reactivate, in order to overcome that inhibition of the multifidus. In that way, we're restoring the patient's neuromuscular control. We're restoring their functional spine stability. And as a consequence, their pain gets better, their function gets better, their healthcare-related quality of life gets better, etc. That's right. Now, Reactivate electrically stimulates by means of leads or wires a nerve called the medial branch nerve that controls the muscle. Tell us more about that. We place the leads on the medial branch nerves, specifically at the L2 level on both sides. And the reason that we do it that way is that when you stimulate the nerve to a muscle, you get a physiologic contraction. Right. And you can get a strong, smooth, tetanic contraction that is comfortable for the patient. If we were to just stimulate the muscle directly, you don't get a physiologic contraction. And in fact, it can be, if you do a strong contraction, it can actually be quite unpleasant and painful for the patient. Yeah, very now, Chris, when patients present to you with chronic low back pain, which treatments do you initially suggest? Assuming, for example, there's no indication for surgery, that is, patients don't need surgery. In many cases, we're going to start with uh, physical therapy and simple medications. So, for example, in the Reactivate B trial that I referenced, all of the patients had to have failed those therapies in order to be candidates for this therapy. Because, after all, if we could get them better with physical therapy or with simple medications, we would do that. There wouldn't be a need for an implant. In fact, our patients in that trial, on average, had been to 31 physical therapy sessions. Wow. And then there are some other distinctions that we would make. For example, we would determine, is the patient's pain coming from their sacroiliac joint? Because if that's the case, mm -hmm. then they would not be a candidate for this therapy, and we would do treatments aimed at the sacroiliac joint, uh, for, for example. Okay, so physical therapy, uh, simple medications, other injections, chiropractic care can all provide relief and improve function. But if they don't, then it sounds like that's the time to consider the Reactivate Neurostimulation System. We have to take a break. Please don't go away because when we return, we'll find out more specifics from Dr. Gilligan about who's a candidate for the Reactivate Neurostimulation System. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Mainstay Medical, the only provider of the unique Reactivate Restorative Neurostimulation. Reactivate is designed to restore control, function, and stability in your lower back. Ask your physician about Reactivate for chronic low back pain and reactivate your life. Visit www.lowbackpainrecovery.com to learn more. Heron Therapeutics, whose mission is to improve the lives of patients by developing best-in-class medicines that address unmet medical needs. They aim to advance the standard of care for patients through therapies that bring together science and technologies with well-known pharmacology to deliver medicines that matter. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Chris Gilligan, Chief of the Division of Pain Medicine at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Uh, Chris, I think many patients will want to know how long they need to wait, that is, trial these other therapies before we will offer this neurostimulation system. We don't recommend using this 
in somebody who's had less than one year of low back pain. We really have to be at the point where the clinician treating that patient, it feels comfortable and confident that physical therapy was done for an adequate period of time, adequate quality, et cetera, and that this truly is a patient who we're not going to be able to get better with physical therapy. Okay. Now, we've talked about physical therapy, simple medications, maybe like acetaminophen or ibuprofen. What about opioids? What is your feeling about opioid therapy for patients who have chronic low back pain? In the Reactivate B trial, we had 204 patients, and 37% of them, when they entered the trial, were on chronic opioid therapy. Mm -hmm. And I think that points to how many patients have refractory, severe, disabling chronic low back pain and don't get relief from other therapies so that both the patient and the clinician turn to opioids. One of the interesting findings in the trial was that after uh, 36 months of stimulation, roughly half of the patients who started out on opioids had voluntarily eliminated their opioids. Mm-hmm. And just a little bit shy of 25% of the patients had, uh, had voluntarily reduced their opioids. And we, and we felt that that was one of the significant positive findings about the therapy. Yeah, absolutely. Is there an insurance requirement to try certain types of therapies for a certain length of time before offering Reactivate? There typically will be. And and frankly, that requirement, I think, is reasonable. Mm -hmm. If we're proposing to an insurance company that we want to treat a patient with Reactivate, we will have to document what physical therapy has the patient tried and what were the results of that. And frankly, the more detail we give, the stronger our case will be. Mm -hmm. Similarly, very important for us to document which medications have been tried and ideally at what doses and what duration. And I do think that's reasonable, that from the point of view of an insurance company, I think they're correct to want to have an understanding of what conservative therapies have been tried and frankly have failed before making the determination that this therapy is indicated for the patient. It's also important to realize that these patients are not candidates for spine surgery. Now, Chris, one of the interventional treatments for mechanical low back pain is radiofrequency ablation, that is heat therapy, of the medial branch nerves. These nerves supply sensation to the facet joints of the low back. How would you choose then between a radiofrequency procedure for low back pain and reactivate? As the name implies, we're, we're ablating a nerve, we're deadening a nerve. It's a palliative treatment or a symptomatic treatment. What we're trying to do is deaden the nerve so that the patient can't feel the sensation of pain being transmitted by the facet joint. Mm -hmm. And we know that that therapy, even in excellent cases, we get typically six months or 12 months of relief and then the pain returns and we have to repeat it. And many of these patients are middle-aged. So we're going to have to repeat this once or twice or more a year, for year after year after year. I'm tending to recommend to those patients typically to to turn to the reactivate therapy prior to radiofrequency ablation Mm -hmm. for the following reasons. One, that it's a restorative or a disease-modifying therapy. It's working by restoring function of the multifidus muscle with a consequent reduction in pain and consequent improvement in function. And the other reason is that at this point, we've reported four-year outcomes in these patients that show clinically profound improvements in pain and function and healthcare-related quality of life. And as I mentioned, uh, voluntarily eliminating or reducing opioids. So the durability of the therapy, coupled with the fact that it's restorative or disease-modifying, for me, moves it ahead of radiofrequency ablation in terms of my typical recommendation to a patient, although I obviously will, of course, be having a conversation with a patient about these are our different options. And if there's a patient, for example, who understands all of this, but uh, truly does not want to contemplate the idea of an implant, 
well, then we will turn to radiofrequency ablation uh, prior to thinking about reactivating. Yes, that sounds very reasonable. We're out of time, unfortunately, but stay with us for part two when we delve deeper into this neurostimulation system called Reactivate. Dr. Gilligan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. It was really a, a fun conversation, and I appreciate it. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Ty Ford. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christoph.